Welcome everyone to a new episode of the podcast Self-Evolution Regardless. Okay, so this is basically part two of the episode um, Seven Deadly Sins. Okay, so basically we reached greed and I kind of went a little too far with this specific sin. That's because narcissists are greedy and they will want to get excess of everything but won't and also be and stay preoccupied with materialistic stuff and preserve that stuff and stay away from God's uh, abundant rewards and spiritual uh, comfort and peace and the rewards of heaven because they pretty much like the materialistic stuff you know that's the that's how superficial narcissist is with greed okay um i think also here i'm gonna explain something just real quick Greed also has to do with um, entitlement and um, grandiosity, right? It has a lot to do with wanting to feel superior, wanting to look, feel, smell, taste, everything better than anybody uh, everybody else and arrogance um they want to make sure that they have the best out of everything so therefore they're arrogant and they don't have any sort of remorse for the poor or people who live in circumstances that are uh, a bit lower than theirs for example so this is greed. Um, okay, so I know this is taking a little long. I'm trying to be fast here because every single sin is going to make me talk about it for a couple of minutes. So please bear with me. Um, so this is the third sin, greed. Now the fourth sin, sloth. When it comes to sloth... Originally, sloth referred to sadness, apathy, and joylessness, which reminds me of depression, because depression sounds like that. It sounds like hopelessness in life, existential crisis, um, apathy towards everything and any and everyone, um, disinterest in everything and everyone, um, not wanting to do anything at all, laying in bed the whole time, Feeling worthless and helpless, shamed, guilty over the smallest things, etc. So, pretty much relates to sloth. Um, which, which reflected the sinner's failure to see God's gifts and his, with a capital H, goodness. Yeah, that's the problem with sloth, is the fact that it... It reflects the sinner's failure 
an incapacity to see and be grateful for God's grace and goodness and gifts in this life. The simplest thing, like, would be that you're able to open your eyes when you wake up. The simplest thing, moving from the bed, washing your face, looking at yourself in the mirror, wearing different clothes. These smallest things um, should make you feel happier and more grateful for the gifts of God. You know, they don't have to be a million dollars. million dollars don't make everyone happy. A lot of people out there are millionaires and famous and celebrities, but they're not as happy. Even though they're rich and famous and everybody knows them, but look at what happened to Michael Jackson. Look at what happened to, I don't know, Marley, Marlon Monroe. Look at what happened to Heath Ledger, etc. You know, so many celebrities ended up killing themselves for the amount of sorrow they had to suffer from for whichever reason, but that's the thing, is that whenever we fail to see God's goodness and God's grace and abundance in the smallest things, we're just going to be sad and joyless and careless and cold and not appreciative of anything. The only sin... uh, Sloth, by the way, is the only sin characterized by an absence or inadequacy of love. So yeah, basically, the sin that is deprived of love and or even has an inadequate amount of love that isn't really abundant, that isn't really unconditional. It's more or less being cold around others, which explains the lack of empathy, right? Which explains the common characteristic that every single personality disorder from the Cluster B group has, which is the lack of empathy and the the callousness and and the inability to feel what others feel and to put yourself in the shoes of others and to look for solutions that would help them and help them succeed in life. No, none of that is there. There's no, there's either an inadequacy or absence of love when it comes to sloth. But I'm not gonna like sort of reject what I said. In modern times, sloth is interpreted as the sin of laziness, of an unwillingness to act and an unwillingness to care. So in the modern times, before it referred to the emotional uh, pain or side of 
of a slog. The sadness, the apathy, and the drollessness. But in modern times, it's it refers to more or less the carelessness, the lack of activity, and the laziness. Which, by the way, explains why so many people are fat, overweight, and they don't even care about, you know, taking care of their body and having a healthier lifestyle. In fact, when you, when you try to, you know, um, suggest something that they might do to improve their lifestyle, even something as small as drink water more often or walk more often, you know, uh, they tell you your body shaming me because I'm fat and you're thin, etc. All that bullshit. But yeah, in modern times it refers to the laziness, unwillingness to act, and unwillingness to care. Which also, by the way, sloth relates to the narcissist again in terms of hoarding. Hoarding, which is the translation of sloth because a hoarder essentially is someone who doesn't care about the pile about the piles that are collecting dust every day and they are lazy about uh moving stuff out or selling stuff or decluttering in general they'd be lazy about it and they don't even want to have the willingness to act or make a change. Oh, and by the way, it also relates to the narcissist in terms of adapting to new situations and making changes. I don't know if you remember this, but I mentioned at a point of time that narcissists find it hard to adapt to change. They will not accept change. Let me tell you a personal story real quick. Um, so my family, my siblings and my father and I mentioned the idea of why not sell our mansion and that we're living in currently. And I mean, it's a big house, a villa that we can obviously profit from if we rent it for someone else who's in need of somewhere to live and we basically suggested the idea of why not move out? Why not buy a smaller villa or a tinier house that um, can gather us, three of us, the remaining me of my siblings and my parents, and just just be tranquil and just live in a smaller house that doesn't have so much wasted space and wasted um, unused rooms um, and so much space that's really not used at all. It would be a storm, or should I say a roller coaster ride of five minutes now she says yes okay fine let's do it you know take pictures let's sell it let's see who buys it and stuff 
five minutes later, when you mention the same topic, or generally speaking, after a small period of time, you tell her it's up again, and then she'd go in narcissistic rage mode. How dare you talk about selling this house, and I built this house with all of my efforts in the stones, and I built this house on my own, and I, and I, cons you know, uh, spent every single penny on every single stone to build this house and it's so precious and I have so many memories in this house and your birth and you were born here and your siblings are born here and oh god the arguments and the list of arguments are never ending list of arguments begin to splash and wash our faces away which is now why we don't mention that topic again because of the fucking narcissistic injury and rage that gets thrown upon us for no reason. Then the narcissist's inability to accept or even think about the idea of adapting to new situations or making any sort of change. Because especially when they get older, narcissists when they get older, it's more difficult for them to have the idea of changing the circumstances they're living in anyway. And the older they get, the harder it is for them to make or think about changes. They would like to stay in the situations that they're in because it represents a source of comfort for them. So it's familiar. That's why they stay in it, just like a child, just like a freaking child. And this also, to me, means sloth. And if it means sloth to you, congratulations. Let's move on to the next sin, wrath. Oh goodness, wrath is such a very, very interesting sin that hugely hugely relates to the narcissist. Remember how I just said the narcissistic rage, right? The insult, the name-calling, the nitpicks, the verbal abuse, the screaming, the yelling, the, the rampage. Remember I talked about this, I think it was the second... Among, it's, you're gonna find this episode among the very first episodes where I talked about a narcissistic rage happening. I recorded that episode right after the event that happened. Right after the narcissistic rage. So, brace, brace yourself. If you have a heart that's strong enough to handle what I said in that episode, please just be careful. And um, because really, really, I don't know how I even slept that night. I couldn't sleep. I recorded that episode at 3 a.m. because I wasn't able to sleep at all. And it was hot summer day. So, um, wrath. Wrath, when it comes to wrath, it's the, all of, all of the things that I mentioned just now, 
plus the violence, the physical violence that can erupt. The beatings, the slamming of the doors, the shouting, the banging of the dishes, the everything that's violent and loud and annoying and disturbing. And everything that is done on purpose. Trust me, narcissists are sick people. So, wrath is the sin of anger or hatred, or should I say both? It leads to other sins and transgressions, yes, including violence, a desire to seek revenge, and a failure to forgive. Now, I have been, uh, I have suffered from the sin of wrath myself so many times because of the abuse and because of how difficult it is for these people to realize how painful and deadly their abuse is even though it's just verbal even though it's just mental and emotional it doesn't affect me on a physical level necessarily but it's there it's injurious and it's durable unlike physical abuse physical abuse is short term it can heal fast but not like the emotional or mental abuse which lasts for fucking decades and even generations but no, they don't realize it. They don't self-reflect. And I have suffered from the sin because of that. And I'm not a saint. I'm not an angel. Nor am I Satan or a minion of the devil himself, Lucifer. No, because I because I had a storm of anger or rage out of the frustration and the cognitive dissonance and the second guessing and the everything in between and the desire to seek revenge and wishing death upon my own family, my own blood and the failure to forgive and actually the the unwillingness to forgive Because it all started when I had those nudes when I was a baby. I was a I was a goddamn baby at the time. I was one year old. Not even one year old, like almost one year old. One years old. And I already had fucking nudes. Like I have nothing more to say. And I'm pretty sure you entered this yourself. You had to go through wrath and anger and throw a tantrum or two because of the bullshit you've been through. 
you never wanted to go through it in the first place, but you were put in that position several times and you couldn't take it anymore. I hope God forgives us all. Because if we ever committed the sin of wrath, it wasn't because we seek self-pleasure and satisfaction regardless of others' needs and wants. It was because we were pained and we had enough of the pain and we had enough of the agony of the silent agony and silent pain and silent aches and headaches and stomach aches and every single type of ache we just had enough we just wanted to scream we wanted to be heard instead of being gaslit all the time and I think that by the time we scream at the top of our lungs, that's when we are heard, or partially heard, I don't fucking know anymore. So, uh, without any further ado, let's go ahead and continue with the sin. So, sin number six is envy. And envy is, interestingly enough, a trait of the narcissist. Remember, envy in itself is a trait of a narcissist. So Thomas Aquinas or Aquinas described envy as sorrow for another's good. People are sad and frustrated and angry and hopeless that someone else is successful in something or they're celebrating something in their life. Um, if you're a scapegoat and you have a golden child sibling, I'm pretty sure you've been through this, right? Yeah, um, especially those golden children who are control freaks and who are perfectionists and who always, always make you feel inferior. Just saying. Um, and also those who don't like to change roles. Once they're scapegoated, they're going to hunt you back. So, just saying. People who commit this sin desire the qualities or situation of another person which they perceive as lacking in themselves. Yes, because they see other people richer than them or smarter than them or taller than them or uh, thinner than them, whatever. They see it as something that they lack and therefore, they're not happy with what they have. They're not grateful with what God uh, gifted them with. So, they envy. Dante defined the sin as love of one's own good perverted to a desire to deprive other men of theirs. So, it's not the, just the sorrow. It's not just the sadness that someone else has uh has it better than you but it's the desire to deprive other men of what they have you literally intend to destroy what it is they have 
so that you don't envy them anymore, so that they're equal, they're, they're just as equal as you. And this happens on so many levels, in relationships, at the job, and education, in the family, in career-wise, everything, it touches every single aspect of life and envy, interesting. And finally, pride, number six, uh, seven, sorry, pride is a very, very interesting sin. The sin of pride is considered the first and foremost sin, and it's the sin with which leads to loose, which led in history and originally to Lucifer's downfall, which plagues mankind in various forms. Oh, yes, it does. Pride is the super entitlement of the narcissist, is the arrogance of the narcissist, is the grandiosity of the narcissist, it's the addiction over narcissistic supply the whole time, is the constant preoccupation with fantasies of intelligence, beauty, heroism, etc. And it's the addiction of seeking attention the whole time. A grave desire of always yearning for attention and a a praise and approval and validation the whole time. So, speaking about sin, here are seven subtle signs of pride brought to you from DesiringGod.org. Number one is fault finding. While pride causes us to filter out the evil we see in ourselves, it also causes us to filter out God's goodness in others. Which means we disregard the goodness that other people have, that God gifted them, gifted them with it. Instead, we focus on the flaws. We sift them, uh, letting only their faults fall into our perception of them, and we only look at the flaws of others. Instead of also appreciating their qualities. It's part of pride. It's, it's part of pride. And that also contributes to the pride in itself that is the feeling of superiority. Because once you look at people's flaws only, you'll only feel better about yourself because now you're much better than these people. And your flaws are nothing compared to theirs. So... Number two, a harsh spirit. Those who have the sickness of pride in their hearts speak of others' sins with contempt, irritation, frustration, and or judgment. Pride is crouching inside our belittling of the struggles of others. 
and it's crow it's cowering in our jokes about the craziness of other of the other spouse etc etc so basically looking at um speaking of others sins or even achievements with contempt anger and frustration and very bad feelings toward them being harsh about it number three superficiality and this has to do a lot with greed as well as materialistic uh, materialism and desire to only look at the surface always uh, <clears throat> we're far more concerned with others perceptions of us than the reality of our hearts we don't look at our hearts we don't reflect in ourselves rather we always look for the approval and uh, opinions of others we don't look deep within us and focus on what's on the surface or tip of the iceberg instead of deep below under the iceberg itself proud people do this unfortunately and please please don't do this this is really this is gonna ruin you if you do this number four defensiveness and this is part of the entitlement of the narcissist and also double standards okay here's here's what it is true humility is not knocked off balance and thrown into defensive uh, posture by challenge or rebuke which means harsh criticism but instead continues in doing good entrusting the soul to our faithful creator yeah humility continues to do good regardless of disagreement or challenging or criticism maybe that criticism is actually constructive it helps you to become a better human being it helps you realize something about yourself you didn't realize before or maybe that disagreement helps you look at things from another perspective you didn't think about before or a challenge that actually helps you become a better human being because now you're challenging yourself to do risky things you didn't attempt or think about doing before so here we go something interesting but no to proud narcissists or proud people in general they fall into the defensive mode how dare you challenge me how dare you disagree with me how dare you criticize me because another thing is that they're too entitled and too preoccupied with their fantasy of unimaginable unimaginable beauty unimaginable intelligence and heroism and strength and etc etc you can't touch this can't touch this except that it's way more realistic for the narcissist no the song the song has nothing to do with this the song is just for good vibes and dancing but not for this like right now hey no okay 
Sign number five, or symptom number five, is the presumption before God. Which means the superiority, thinking you're too much of a person, you're full of yourself to the point where you're better than God. Please, God, forgive me. Um, some of us have no shortage of boldness before God. But if we are not careful, we can forget He is God. We have to be careful with what we do, with how we look at ourselves, with how high we get. Because if we're not careful, where are we going with this? Others of us feel no confidence before God. They don't trust God. They feel like um, God is betraying them for some reason. Which may sound like humility, but no, actually, it's another symptom of pride. In these moments of not being confident before God is that we're testifying that we believe our sins are greater than His grace, and then we get stuck and suffer from our sins, then ask for forgiveness from God and enjoy and embrace His grace. What we do then is get stuck in our sins instead. Why? You know, why? Why should you? Number six, desperation for attention. Pride is hungry for attention, respect, and worship in all its forms. Maybe it sounds like shameless boasting about ourselves. Maybe it's being unable to say no to anyone because we need to be needed. Or maybe it looks like obsessively thirsting for marriage or even better marriage because you want to be adored. It's all because we see glory that comes from men and not God. And this attention that we're seeking is from men and not God. Which is, by the way, can be, let's say, 70% conditional and not really as abundant as what God can offer us. Really, really, really negligible uh, compared to what God has for us. And finally, neglecting others, which is also part of being a narcissist. Already in a dysfunctional family, if you have a child or two that are invisible or scapegoated for whatever reason, you're neglecting them. You're not being fair to your children, to your own blood, to your own flesh. That's because you're too proud. Pride prefers people over others. Yes, it does. It definitely does. It honors those who the world deems worthy of honor, giving more weight to their words, their wants, and their needs. Based on what? Worthy of honor. Based on what? On their wealth? On their power? On their intelligence? Everybody can be wealthy. Everybody can be strong. Everybody can be as equally as intelligent. 
But why favor people over others? I don't know. There's a thrill that gets through me, the author, when people with power acknowledge me. We consciously, I added, with choice, pass over the weak, the in the inconvenient and the unattractive because they don't seem to offer us as much. Unfortunately for proud people, and by choice sometimes for normal people, we don't consider the unattractive, the inconvenient, and the weak, because simply they do not offer us what we're expecting to get from them, and therefore we might neglect them. So, that's it for today's episode, both parts one and two. And um, this has been a very, very interesting episode to talk about, to touch on the religious aspect of the traits of a narcissist and its relation to the seven deadly sins, because the seven deadly sins aren't only for Christianity. It's also for Islam, uh, Judaism, atheism, anything, in every single religion. The seven deadly sins wreck, ruin, destroy people from all races, cultures, traditions, bloodlines, races, origins, sexes, everything. The seven deadly sins are deadly to anyone and everyone, regardless of any of the dimensions I just mentioned. And I would also think that it would be limiting for us to consider that the seven deadly sins are only there to serve as a religious alarm. No, because they touch every single aspect in our lives. It touches, they touch our careers, our relationships, our education, desire to have a partner, everything. Every single aspect of life is touched by these sins or more. The main idea, the point of this episode, is not to get you to be involved in any of these sins, but just to let you know that this is just for educational purposes only, first of all. And second of all, to let you know the danger and the consequences that you might want to avoid if you come across any of these sins. And for you to self-reflect and realize that if you ever committed sins, it's never too late to be forgiven by God. Whichever God you worship, and if you don't worship any, that's, that's up to you. But the idea is to avoid these sins, to be aware of their uh, characteristics and the dangers that they have, but most importantly to avoid them and do what 
God, Almighty, the Oversoul, whatever you want to call it, wants us to do in this life that we only li- that, that we only get to live once, by the way, after which we die and we get buried in the sand or in the soil, and the maggots are going to eat our bodies anyway. So, just now, for the time being. Let's do our best to do most good in this world. The best that we can. For the time being. For the how many years we have left in our lives. For how many days we have left in our lives. Think about it. If if today was your last day, what would you do? So, that's it for this episode. Um... It's so sad to say goodbye after each and every single episode I record. I hope you enjoyed listening and learning um, from this episode as much as I enjoyed recording and talking and having my voice almost gone <laughs> in, the, in, in this episode, but it's just that I, um, I haven't uh drunk much water so yeah anyway uh that's not the point but uh i really do hope you liked um listening and engaging with this podcast if you'd like to uh support and help this podcast be successful and thriving please do not hesitate to support it and donate um, anything will be appreciated, any amount will be very much appreciated, you'll be given a special shout out. Now I'm working on more tiers and more perks on Patreon, it's just that um, it's going to take time and resources and miracles <laughs> to happen so that, you know, um, more advanced benefits come our way. But for now, at least, um, a shout out. I think it's not bad, I think. At least. Or maybe even a special personalized thank you note. I will think about that. But yeah, um, and please don't forget to check out the links I'll be posting on the show notes of the Facebook page, Instagram page, the merch store, and the website that I will be finding time hopefully to update um and post more articles in there and yeah so that's it and i'll see you in the next episode